All right, Daniel, uh, we have Manchester United victory to talk about. That was pretty special in parts. Oh, yeah, that was that was all right. I mean, it was. I'm tired. I, I went to the discotheque last night. And you know what? You won't know what because you live in Seattle. So what they've done in Edmonton is Ikea has closed. Right. Presumably just because it's not getting enough people in it to justify having one in Edmonton and one in Wembley. When if you really want to go and you can get to Edmonton, you'll just get to Wembley. I don't know if that's why, but they've put a nightclub in the old Ikea. Except it's literally Ikea with some speakers. <laughs> it's revolting. They have made no effort whatsoever to make it not like Ikea. So you have to walk through bare car park to get in. It's cold. There's no proper shitters. It's all like port cabins. And just everywhere, like going anywhere is a mission. If you want to go to the toilet, that is a hassle. If you want to go to the club, into the music room, any of the music rooms, that's a hassle. But yeah, I, I hadn't been to the discotheque, well, apart, apart from last Sunday, for quite some time. <laughs> well, um, apart from the last week when I was caning it. Yeah, apart from, yeah I mean, um, so last week was excellent. We saw, uh, it was an amateur piano night, and we saw Mafariza and um, Major Leagues, either of whom I recommend. Last night we went to see Camel Fat, because one of my mates was going, so we thought, fuck it, let's go. He then bailed, and we still went, but yeah, it's still... It's still a rave in Ikea. Nice. It's totally Ikea-like, except they don't even have the greatest pick and nick in London, <laughs> which actually they they got rid of after COVID. It became, they have good bags of sweets. Yeah. If anyone is into like sour sweets, what they do that's really cunning in Ikea is they'll do you a bag of sour sweets, but in it, they'll be just ordinary jellies. So they just give you that little bit of texture and, and flavor difference and variety that really elevates <laughs> the citric acid. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking about when I go to IKEA. I think I mentioned it before. That one in Wembley is the most anger-inducing IKEA on the planet. Not only do you have to wait like hours to check out with your fucking Billy bookcase, but it's impossible to actually find because you have to like there's a spaghetti junction of roads you have to navigate to actually get there in the first place. I hate it. Hate it with a true and deep passion that only comes from trauma of having to actually go to that place but i'm not sure i'd want to spend a whole night there sat on your sofa with a j and sticking drinks on a billy bookcase but there you go uh on on the pitch that was quite special from nacho wasn't it three minutes into the game wasn't it it was almost it was almost like a cross between rooney's one and berbatov's one in the he get it's sort of a more similar angle to Rooney, but it feels like the way that Berbatov's against Liverpool, he kind of placed it into the corner. I wouldn't say he placed it, but he did sort of cushion it, yeah, so that so that it went it described that parabola, and it was so yeah, it wasn't just like the ball's in the air, he vaults up and he smashes it, and sometimes they hit. It felt like there was a little bit more control there, and the mood before it was good as well. Yeah, the eyes on the ball the whole time with that one and he hits it clean unlike Rooney who shinned it so he did shin it but it, it the reason it went in was because it was still a pure strike in the way that he lined it up yeah, yeah. so it didn't it did go in off his shin but it hit the fucking the fucking sweet spot like right in the middle yeah, of his yeah. shin in the and so yeah the foot wasn't quite at the right level but because the the action the strike was so clean it was yeah it was still good he could have had a hat-trick, really, because he missed another good chance where he cut inside and then basically had a free shot with a, I mean, there were a few Everton defenders between him and the goal, but really good opportunity, and he blazed it over. And then the one at the end where Rashford pinged it across and he couldn't quite get across enough to get it in, but definitely had some good chances. We said, like, I think after Copenhagen, that it felt like he'd been given the chance in his position from the start in a big game on that night. And he plays well enough to keep that spot. And so you want, because it's, you have that interesting line where the managers have between you want you want competition for places. So you want players to know that if they play badly, they're out. But at the same time, you want players to have the security of not thinking they've got to do something spectacular to keep their place. And what you get, you end up, I think, in, in the best teams, you generally end up when most players know that when the big games come, they more or less know who's going to be playing. And you sometimes run over into that comfort zone. England cricket have done it a couple of times in the, in the times where they've been good, where 
players just sort of stay in the team too long. And what you had sometimes end up with is Paul Collingwood did it for a while, where you're just about to get dropped, you're just about to get dropped, and then you score like a battling 70 and you stay in for another six tests or whatever. And you don't you don't want that either. But I mean, they always say in the, the cricket team, their line was always, it's better to give someone one game too many than one game too few. Mm-hmm. And I think with Garnacho now, he's in the team and it would be he's good. It would be pointless dropping him and saying he's crap from the start because... It's not about that. Like you need the rate he needs to play to get better at playing from the beginning. Yeah, and and the, and the sacrifice is putting uh, Rashford on the right. Except Rashford's not really scoring this season, so it's not much of a sacrifice. It's just can you get Rashford back into his best form if he's going to be playing out there? I mean, today there weren't there weren't very many options. I mean, Anthony not in the squad, Sancho not in the squad. It's who else is missing? I feel like uh, Hoyland also missing, so fewer options. But yeah, Garnacho had enough moments in this game, both good and bad, but good enough to to stay in the team. I mean, the player who really stood out, uh, who we've talked about quite a lot, unbelievably, the saviour, the boy wonder, Kobe Mainu, was just a maturity beyond his years, obviously. He's just so much class there and... And and it's not just that, it's the balance he brought, the, his ability to just drop in between the centre-backs, allowing the Lindelof and Maguire to split and just United to have more options. Um, I wish they fucking would split. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, I, I, <laughs> have, have, a, have a pair ever been together that long and still been that dysfunctional? So it was... Uh, <laughs> but can't, can't be my new. I mean, we've talked about him a lot. He, I just, yeah, he's just... He's obviously a class above and probably didn't play the full 90 because he's not fully fit yet, but was excellent for most of it. Yeah, I think there's part that he might not fully, fully fit and also he's playing on Wednesday yeah. and he's playing on Sunday. Yeah. It's Saturday, isn't it? In games that in games that we got to win or at least can't afford to lose. Yeah. And what I love about him is I remember Gary Neville once said that Skulls and Carrick playing with them in front of you was relaxing, like going into a restaurant, I think, and hearing some classical music playing on the piano or whatever he fucking said. I don't know. But what, what I like about Manu is I know that when he gets the ball, it's all right. Obviously, every player makes mistakes, but he is unlikely to drop a massive bollock. But yeah. not only that, that he'll do the right thing with it. And the way that he does it, and it's, you've said before that he's um, mature beyond his years, and it is that. He plays like a grown-ass man. And usually when you say that, you're talking about someone being physical. But with him, it's the angles that he makes to receive the ball. Right. And when he receives the ball, the touch doesn't necessarily go in front of him. It might, it might go off at an angle if that will give him the best angle to play the next pass or to move away with the ball. Yeah. Most, a lot, like Skulls had that. Yeah, exactly. That was, yeah. Skulls and Xavi and Busquets. Yeah. Those, those kind of players have that. And he's, he's got it because he's got it. And he's also got that beautiful weight of pass and the delay on the pass and the intelligence to pick the right one almost all the time. And, I know we've, as you said, we've been banging on about this dickhead for so long now that you're kind of, you're waiting for him to fail almost, except we both know that the quality that he's shown, it doesn't look like that's going to happen because the stuff that he has is so easily translatable. I I love the way that everything just seems, it just seems to have that amount of time and it is that Skulls Carrick thing. There's something about both of them in him that he takes everything on the half turn knows how to create space for himself even under pressure and then makes the right choices all, just almost all of the time. And it, it's, it'd be kind of foolish of us to big him up too much and to pretend that he's going to save us or something. But uh, it's just, again, it's that balance, the, the fact that you have someone there. He's not really a six. I mean, if you look at him with the under-23s, that's not exactly how he plays. He did today, uh, and he was... Excellent there. I mean, he made, uh, I can't remember the data now, but uh, and a fair number of challenges. He's, he's made 40 odd passes, interceptions, the whole, the whole thing. It's a well, you know, really well rounded game he's got. And, and he, he rightly should be in there ahead of Amrabat. He's really shown us nothing in that role. <laughs> Casemiro, I don't know whether we'll ever see him again because, you know, who knows? He's out till. He's out till the uh, the window, and you never know. Might do some business there. So, Manu's got a really good chance of cementing a, a long term place in the team now. 
I'm I'm really I was really pleased he played today because if you're not going to play him now, when are you going to play him? What are you waiting for? Like the we I talk about this all the time that sometimes it's the right thing to do to integrate players slowly, and sometimes they're just they're just good to go, and you just got to pick your best players. And I'm pleased he did that with Mainu today, and it because it also with Casemiro out for so long, it would be mental not to try and manage him out at the same time. And that doesn't mean I'm saying you crap sell him to Saudi tomorrow, or whatever. Although you'd obviously think about some kind of offer, clearly, but not, and that's again not because he's not useful. It's just because you're going to have to sell him at some point, and if you sell him now, you can do something with the money I get, and you'll get more for him. And he's not a part of the future of United, I guess. Mm-hmm. But so, but playing Mainu, you said just before that he's not exactly a six, and this is also one of the things with him that part of me watches him and thinks this guy's too good around the box to be that deep but we saw some he got some good opportunities to get on the ball in attacking situations and I think that's why the the player that realistically we're probably going to sign someone to play with him is someone who you'd sort of want to be able to do like a 6-8 hybrid because what we saw in the game today was in the first half Bruno was way too deep and that's because you've got McTominay who doesn't really do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not. He's not there. He's not there to do anything. He's there to hopefully score. And Manu's ability to drop in in between the defenders is exactly what McTominay can't or doesn't do. And United have been very easy to press for years now. And if you've got Manu and then you bring it, you've got Martinez to come back. What you then have to do is you have to get a right side of the defence because teams will still say, "All right, then, well." You've still you still have the ball there, it yeah. Is. yeah. Varane and Wan Let's say it doesn't even matter who it is, but whoever it is, you've got one of those two on the right. On the right, you've got those two on the right side. Well, if the ball goes there every time, you're still struggling to get out. But Mainu means that he's the guy who can go over there and make an angle and take the ball under pressure. And he, it's not about whether he's going to be the best player in the world or whatever, but. It's. It just seems like he's good enough to play for United for the next decade. He is. I mean, McTominay, and, 22 passes today, which is like about his normal level. And uh, he's barely involved in the game. And if he doesn't score, United are carrying a player. And I, you, I guess I guess he's there to... He's, well, he's there to make the third man runs and, and score goals, as he does for Scotland and did in the recent, recent international break. But the international game and the Premier League are just completely different, just so completely different. And uh, I don't think that kind of physical impact that he has in the international in international football really translates to the Premier League. He just looks very average, McTominay. And so, like, finding a partner for Mainu, if Mainu is going to be the you know what one of the key central midfielders there, would be excellent. Problem is, we've got Ericsson not fit, Amrabat probably not good enough. Casemiro not fit and out of form for what a year now, and there's there's not an obvious partner Mount, there. Mount as well. Mount, I, Mount forget, I forget Mount. I forget Mount because we spent sixty million quid on him and still can't work out why the hell he's <laughs> what the hell he was born for. So back to Matilo. I know what you mean that he's one thing doing it in internationals, but I also think if you put him in a Scotland level Premier League team and you had two defensive midfielders and him. He'd do similar stuff if he if if it's just McTominay. It's more a style thing. That the only way oh, Sam, I don't the only way the only way he would work properly in a United team is if you left out Bruno. Yeah, because pretty much. They're yeah, yeah, they're basically doing they're doing a similar job, obviously to very different levels and very different breadths. But they're, they're doing they're doing the same thing. If you go and make McTominay box to box attacking midfield player and. I mean, West Ham might have been a good fit. Probably not so much anymore now that they've, they're with the players that they they're, now that they've got Kudus and Pakatar. But if you put him in a sort of sixth to twelfth Premier League team, he, he'd he'd be a good player for them because he'd be one of the better players, and that would mean that they could play to his strengths. Whereas United, they're sort of they sort of got him in the team to play to his strengths, but it's making them weaker because. Yeah. We're seeing first halves like that first half today, right? And if you have a proper midfield, that just doesn't happen. No, that's right. And we 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 said, yeah. I mean, man, maybe Ericsson would work there in terms of giving United that kind of control. But again, he can't last a whole game, so 
It's it's something to solve. I, Ten Hag spoke about it in the week. He spoke about having to meet FFP obligations, and obviously it was front of mind with what's happened at Everton and United have been on the edge of that. Although nowhere would be nowhere near it if our owners put in as much equity as Everton's owner has blown on his on his club there. But it's yeah, maybe maybe there's a solution in the the January window. We'll we'll find out. There can't be much money though. I, I would be surprised, I would say, that if they can somehow, and I, I, I say it like I want this to happen, if they can somehow get rid of Varane, then Uncle Jim might sell us Todibo. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> hey, we can loan oh, him for I'm, free now, can't we? I mean, it's perfectly fine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but back to McTee for a second again. I think one of the other reasons he's in the team is we're quite small yeah. and quite weak. What a fucking thing that is to say about <laughs> Manchester United team. But, and, um, so, especially with Varane, who wins everything at the back. Like in the, in the air, Varane is, yeah, he's, he's so, he's so good in the air. And that, and I think McTominay in the team is maybe a, just, a, and you've got trying to find some physicality somewhere in a role where you don't actually have a natural fit in, in the squad. I guess when, when more people, in midweek, I mean, I think it will be the, probably be the same team probably in midweek. Uh, maybe one one Bissaka at right back, but other than that, the same team. I would, pro- I mean, I, I don't. I would be playing Amrabat instead of McTominay. I think because if you there's enough quality elsewhere, so that I'd try and play someone that might help you keep the ball. Yeah, the problem. The problem. The problem's get is getting swamped. Yeah, and conceding goals that come out of bottling weakness. It's not getting outplayed, really. And what I want to see more of that we sort of got towards in the second half today was winning games, not because we've got better individuals who link up nicely enough times a game to beat shit. Yeah. I want to see us put put on a performance. And right. It's one of the things we keep saying is when he picks teams and we beat shit, we beat shit teams and we beat shit narrowly, it's good that you won and you're happy, but it's almost a little bit depressing because we're not any closer to being good than we were last week. Just maybe a little bit of confidence. And we saw through those games where we were doing that, the confidence didn't really improve because the players knew. Yeah. Fun, and, funny thing today is that I think during that second half, some of the pattern that I expected from Ten Hag's team kind of came about. And it, it a lot of it was to do with, I mean, my new lasted, what, 75 minutes or something like that. A lot of it, was to do with him being able to be the deepest player and start off uh, United's attacking pattern. And and though, and then, as I said before, Maguire and Lindelof can split. Dallo could... They fucking in, can. Dallo can... <laughs> Dallo could invert and Rashford had loads of space. And and you're like, okay, I, I get exactly what they're trying to do there. I see some pattern, which... A lot of the last two months, when obviously Ten Hag's been trying to trying to work out a solution to all these injuries, didn't didn't feel right. And I don't want to pile too much on my new and say, "Hey, he's a solution to everything." But it gave some real balance, and you go, "Okay, I kind of get what they're trying to do here. This is looks like a team." And it wasn't perfect, but it improved as the game went on. And part of it we saw in that really excellent third goal, which was a yeah, great mean, team goal and great finish. Yeah, it doesn't. It didn't have to be Manu. It had to be like it's just someone who can play that position, right. particularly with no Martinez, because you can't pass the ball out if you've got no one that can receive or pass it. Yeah, and it, like it, it didn't have to be Manu. It could have been anyone. It so happens that it's him, and he's young, and he's Mancunian, and he's gone in, and he's good. But if you'd have gone and signed Frankie, like Frankie, he was meant to be that player. Yes, and the part yeah. of me thinks that one that like Tenaf really like. Is, is he really trying to make Mania a six when he's an eight because he wants his Frankie and he couldn't have him, so he's having this? But a little bit. In, but in a sense, like I guess I'm hardwired with the football I grew up watching, so that I want an eight. I want Brian Robson. I want Paul Ince, and I want Roy yeah. Keane. I want I, I want that kind of player. But given how good the attackers we've got can be. And just how football works now, someone to play that position. If you've got someone that can just stand and like be that guy for a long time, that that probably has going to have more impact on your team because 
players that can control the game are really hard to find. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can find workarounds for for, for all action midfield players, probably. I don't know. Yeah. What did you think of a lot of chat this season about Bruno's captaincy? I don't know. It seems to be like a media narrative that doesn't really... I'm not sure the fans are talking about it in the same way, but he gave the ball to Marcus Rashford to take the penalty and then said afterwards, I was 100% sure he would score. Just felt like a moment to boost Marcus's confidence, maybe. Thanks. Which is all, yeah. I, I when when I, when we got the penalty, I, I mean, even before that, I was thinking about us getting a penalty because of a bet I had put on on <laughs> various players to shoot and score. I didn't win because we didn't get a player booked, and Bruno didn't have a shot. <laughs> which I'm not sure how. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, and I I, I, won, I thought I thought that Rashford might take a pen, any penalty we got because he needs goals. Yeah, and the stuff about Bruno as captain. The petulance, obviously, on the pitch looks a bit silly. But if you go and speak to the players in the dressing room, do you think Bruno Fernandes is a good bloke or a good, and or a good captain? I, I think they're all I behind I would him. imagine that, that almost all of them yeah. would say yes, yes to both because they know, first of all, that the main thing a captain has to do is play well all the time. And yeah, he doesn't play well all the time, but he plays well almost all of the time, more often than anyone else, and he's still good when he's not playing well which is also a good, a good characteristic. So I think he, he's doing that. Also, you can tell that in training, just from seeing the little clips and stuff, he's the one who's helping drive the competitiveness. Yeah. That is, that is taking the piss out of people, just making it competitive and hard and also, and, and also enjoyable. You, and, yeah, I, I, I don't really care what such and such a person <laughs> thinks of Brilo Fernandez's captaincy when... They don't. I don't know. It, he, he's he's good at football. He's made the teams that he's led and not and not led much better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah the I, rest I, is I, I'm, commentary. I'm, really. yeah, well, that's that's right. And but I mean, it is all just nonsense. And hey, we're part of that nonsense, aren't we? But uh, I, I I think it it was a, it was a nice move there. It wouldn't have been so good if Marcus hadn't scored, but he banged it in the top corner. So that's that was good too. He's a good penalty taker. Yeah, he is. I got no point with either of them, really, do I sit there thinking they're likely to miss. Yeah. Um, he, he's a good penalty taker, and he he's one of those players, Rashford, that whatever we say about him, and there were still times today where you're like, there was a point quite close to the end where he's got the ball on the right, he loses it, and he just fucking stands there. Yeah. And, and I don't know, if, in, in his defence, maybe he's been told to do that. I don't know. Maybe he's carrying a knock. There could be numerous reasons. But it still feels like he doesn't have enough of a dog about him all the time. And yet he is a killer because when those opportunities like that to take a penalty in any circumstance presents itself, he wants the ball. Yeah. It's, it's just I, 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 a bit of a... Yeah, no, I've not been able to put my finger on exactly what's wrong with Marcus this year. I mean, whether it, there is some just detail, but like that, that one where he... He gave the ball away at the end and a couple other chances were one where he didn't find Bruno. Maybe it was good clearance by Tarkovsky, although there's 50 yards of space to play the pass into there. <laughs> and Bruno would have scored and that would have been my goal. And he would have then taken his shirt off celebrating. To get booked. And, booked. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you would have come no. in. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm thinking as this is happening. Uh, now <laughs> we see the agenda. It's all financial for Dan. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's what they say. <laughs> oh dear <laughs> let's not get into that so what i've been i find him hard to read as a bloke yeah and with all these footballers we see them give so many interviews we see them on the pitch with having the best and the worst experiences of their lives it doesn't mean like you know them personally like we're boys but with a lot of them you feel like i've got quite a good read on what kind of bloke you are on like what makes you tick like who you just just a sense of who they are. And I, I, don't, I, feel, I, I don't have that with so much with Marcus Rashford. So when I'm, cause when I'm thinking about writing or talking about sport, also trying to, th- I always say that sport is simple and people are complicated. Mm-hmm. And I'm always trying to look at what's going on beyond the basic hitting, kicking, punching of balls and faces. And so you're looking at what, what 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 is the your human qualities involved in mm. those kind of situations? What do I think is going on? In that, the dynamics and all of that kind of stuff. And 
with Rashford, I, I find it I find it really hard to get a read on him. Which actually, now I think about it, was actually something that had, I heard coming out of United years ago that um, the, the parts of management just found him hard, found him found him unreachable. Mm. And it probably says as much about them as it does about him. Says anything if, if it says anything about anyone. But when I when I think about what how to improve him or whatever, or when you're thinking, well, what would what would I say to him if I was a manager or a mate or whatever? With him, I, I don't really know what the answer is because he's so many opposites. Like he's a killer, but he's a bit of a wimp. Um, he's physical, but he, but he doesn't, doesn't use it often use enough. Physicality. Yeah. He's got unbelievable imagination, and yet, why has he made that decision then? Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't, I don't know what it is with him, but I'm, sh- I'm almost. I'll never be certain. But if he'd have been somewhere stable for these crucial years of his career, yeah, he'd be, he'd be a much better. Player oh, for sure. Um, imagine him at City. I know this is trite, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he would, he, he would be much, much more consistent, and we'd be talking about him in a different way. I'm sure. Over the years, like every manager I've ever had, obviously different. I'm not a footballer. Has always said <laughs> <laughs> I'm hard to read, and it's normally because there's not a lot of emotion involved, you know, except at the occasional look of disgust on my face, which people pick out. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think there's probably some of that with Marcus as well. I see that. He, he holds it back, and for for whatever reason. And, and look, we know he's a good bloke. Like the the other players like him, I'm he's not criticising yeah, him at no, all. Exactly. So we know, we know that. Uh, the, but you're right with the actual football part. Not all of it comes together all of the time, and that that's deeply. It is frustrating because you know he's a brilliant finisher. You know he's got that physicality. He can take a player on almost whenever he wants. He's a great passer of the ball, and and he can make the real difference in big moments. And that's not happening this season. It happened last season. It didn't happen the season before that, all the season before that. And, and so you're putting that all together and there are mitigating circumstances. He was injured for the best part of 18 months. Now, I don't think that's the case unless something's being hidden. There's something else going on with him that I think he's, he's thinking when I look at him, I think he's thinking too hard. And the best of Marcus is when all of that stuff comes together kind of instinctively. And he just seems to be all up inside himself a little bit. And I don't know why, whether there's something else going on that we just don't know or haven't heard about. I mean, apropos of this or maybe nothing, he was pitched out with his ex-fiancee this week. So maybe he's got personal stuff going on and that can affect us, uh, affect us all, can't it? So. Yeah, I I think that the player I always think about when I think about Rashid is Raheem Sterling because Rashid has got way more talent than, than Sterling does. He's physically better. He's faster. He's stronger. Like, there's not much I see that Sterling doesn't has done that Rashford at his best can't do right. better, actually. But the difference is right place, right time. Wrong place, wrong time, I think. And yeah, I wasn't, I, in case I wasn't clear before, like me saying I find him hard to read is not me criticizing him. Sure. Yeah. Like, it's irrelevant. I'm, it just, it means that I'm, I'm just trying to say in terms of trying to understand why he's why we see what we see from him, why these fluctuations appear. I don't know. But I'm hoping that we should get quite a lot better over the next two or three months, I think. The problem is obviously you've got to keep winning whilst 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 improving. But yeah. he's gonna be playing in a much better team and he's gonna have rivals for his place. He's already been shifted over to the other side. And that right. is a punishment. If Rashford was playing now like he did last season that he wouldn't would happen. Not be yeah. rusticated to the right. Yeah. I mean the the funny thing is with all with all of this, you know, now won five and six in the Premier League at least. And I mean, obviously they've lost almost half their games this season, which is not good. But now not that far behind fourth place. It's like four points or something, isn't it? And like somehow or six points off the top and somehow United are in touch, despite having been dog shit for almost the entire season. Uh, which is incredible, really. Um, might say something about their, I don't know, either competitiveness or lack of quality of the Premier League this season that we're we're managing to be in touch despite being crap. There are some really difficult games coming up, mind you. I mean, this is a big... Oh, there are, yeah, so... There are loads of difficult games all the time because there are so many teams with so many players that can hurt you because of how much money is in the Premier League. Yeah. And 
the way United are now in the league says more about the people that were saying Ten Hag's got to go and all this kind of bullshit. I, for me, for me, I've always felt the only danger was getting on a roll of defeats. You can see how it could spiral given the nature of the club and the nature of the players whilst we had all those injuries. Right. But people who wanted to judge a manager who'd been in the, the role not a long time, but a year and a bit on a spell of two months when he when he'd had the, probably the worst run of injuries that I can think of United having in the 40-odd years I've been watching them. It's just ridic- ridiculous. Yeah, they, yeah. They won a trophy not that long ago. We know that they were crap subsequently, but they still got to the cup final and still made sort of a game of it. Like Not, not something I enjoy saying, but you could see the improvements. Then what you're almost saying is, well, actually, fine, because he signed Mason Mount. He's, because... There was all this talk about the signings were crap as well, and that was just that was also based on nothing. Yeah. yeah. So I, I never re- I worried that we could go on a spiral, but we managed to win tight games, and the reason is because the reason it was, was nonsense in the first place. There are just too many good players to not win to not win games, mm-hmm. and so and and now, now with some of those like. Injuries. I mean, Mount's obviously out for a month. Not that he's made much of a difference, but Martinez is back in training. I presume, though, I hope, Touchwood, they will be really careful with him. He's one of the few impact injuries. I mean, he broke a metatarsal for the second time. And I, I presume because of that, they'll be very careful with him. But he's back in training. We'll see him soon, which is going to be just excellent, just both from a quality of defending perspective and the build up. And, but the rest of them are like muscle injuries. And I, it's too many to be a coincidence and there's too much chat chatter going around that the intensity of the training was part of this. And I, I just wonder whether coming through this will have learned a lesson a little bit about just how intense they're going to be. We'll see because this week Ten Hag was talking about the schedule being the problem. I mean, it is a problem, but still everyone's problem, isn't it? And maybe we'll learn a lesson about just how how much pressure we're putting on these players or how much physical pressure we're putting on these players. And with with the key players coming back, we'll be better and fitter, hopefully. And that that few months of some terrible results can be forgotten. And and we're fortunate enough to be in touch. And and come the spring, hopefully, Touchwood, we're a much better team and in a really good position to make sure we qualify for Europe. So. Yeah, I would say, like, we could easily lose the next two games, but it won't change the fact that you can see that the team is how the team's going to get better and should get better quite quickly. It doesn't mean the 10 half is good enough to start winning the big pops, but it means that I haven't run out of hope that he might be able to do that right. because I can see where I can see where it's going. And if nothing else, it shouldn't take that long for him to have 11 really good players in the same team. Right. It feels like that that shouldn't be more than, say, two or three windows away of having enough good players to make a football team of good players. And then then you see how that goes, and obviously you see what he does with it. But at this point, yeah, there's no sense that he, he's, run out, he's run out of time. And yeah. having Shaw back today is another one. It's such a bonus. Yeah, just, just so much balance there, the ability to drive forward and allow Garnaccio in this, on this for this game to come inside as well, just create the overloads. Yeah, just... It's no coincidence that Rashford's lack of productivity has coincided with his absence. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Like, they have a good partnership, and whenever people were dissing whoever was playing on the right, one of the things that you'd always say in their defence was they don't have Luke Shaw behind them. Yeah. And it does it does, it does make a difference. He'll, he'll never be totally reliable. You're never exactly sure when he might drop a bollock or fall asleep or whatever. But in general, he yeah he's he's good enough to play for this United team at this moment and be and, and be important. And it's always good to see like the results of another phenomenal head diet. <laughs> he's been on in the time he's been away. The what what could happen, and we don't know this yet because none of the details have been confirmed yet. But in the window, United 
well, the new partial owners could inject up to 105 million in equity and it have no impact on the uh, FFP position. Now, we already know that there's something like 250 million has been kind of ring fence for infrastructure improvements, but the the other equity could be put in place if United want to go spend on players to, stir, as you're saying, get towards having 11 good players on the pitch all at the same time. So it's possible. It's possible. We haven't confirmed it yet. It definitely wouldn't happen under the Glazers because it's never happened in 18 years of ownership. Not once, ever. Not a penny. Uh, but but with the new guy coming in, big Sir Jim, it's, it may well happen and we might get towards that having a good team a bit earlier. It'd be worth it. I mean, it's it costs United about 105 million not making the Champions League uh, in revenue, at least. Uh, so, it, yeah, if 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 that's what United need in order to make sure they're they're in that top four, maybe five, almost they definitely do. five. Yeah, well, if you took a snapshot right now, Spain, it's like they're a couple of dot two ahead on the coefficient. But we obviously haven't played out the whole season. You'd kind of expect a City to do well. Uh, it's just, you know, with United and who else? Liverpool in the Europa as well. Yeah, Liverpool in Europa counts for less. Newcastle not doing very well in the Champions League. So it, it depends. Spain have eight out of eight in, across the, the competitions. If they all do well, it could be United. Uh, sorry, not United. England are overtaken and we wouldn't get that fifth spot. But it's obviously not played out. I think at no point during United being shit this season did I think we won't finish definitely top five and probably top four because the teams that United are competing for those spots with aren't good enough to win every week to right. go away by enough. Like your Tottenham's, your Villas. Like that's, Villa have got some really good players and they're, and they're a team that with a way that works. But they're not good enough to... They're not, good enough to play at championship form which means that United would have to really fall miles away to not be to not be able to catch them Newcastle's again just balancing Europe I guess we don't want them to finish bottom of that group could do with like losing them to the Europa yeah 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 so they've got to trudge through Thursdays yeah yeah so I mean it it would be uh, unfortunate if United finished fifth by a fraction and I don't know Real Madrid won the Champions League and Barcelona in the final two and one of the other Spanish teams wins the Europa and the Conference League and then we miss out but uh, so what would you what would you would you take okay would you take City retaining the Champions League against Real Madrid if it meant that United, <laughs> <laughs> United qualified for next season's Champions League no I mean although it's, it, it is important Obviously, for the club to be to be there, but no, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Something I enjoyed today that I just, when got as Garnacho is coming off at half time. Obviously, the cameras are zooming in on him after he scored the goal of his life, and he gozzes and he can't get it out. Like <laughs> on himself, but it's just yes. This is this is how the world should be. You score that goal, but also. You goes on yourself. It's funny on the football cliches pod a couple of weeks ago. They were talking about that how footballers are so practiced on spitting perfectly, but if you try it yourself, <laughs> so you do that all the time. Like it goes everywhere. So, the wind's in your face so on Hackney marshes or whatever. But it's yeah. No, so to me, this is just like what were you doing in the playground if not practicing <laughs> like a footballer? <laughs> like the uh, the Brian McClare in our playground. That was. That was like a thing. Like Luke avoiding my class was really like was really proficient at snot rockets, and that was because we saw Brian McClare do it. We and then, we were um, too busy seeing who could piss the highest up the wall in the toilets. But yeah, uh, <laughs> and Paul Ince could do the double one, so he'd sort of hold both nostrils from above and do them both at the same time. And Luke was working on that. Wow! Just <laughs> um, I've seen a few kids uh, at my. Uh, my younger one, six-year-old, was in a, a team this season, and we saw quite a few kids doing the various celebrations, arm in the air like this, the Ronaldo thing, and all of that. But I didn't didn't see any of them practice doing a big gob. Maybe they should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you should really, you should really, if you've watched football growing up, there's no excuse for not being <laughs> not being good at it. It's being like a footballer, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, should we move on? Galatasaray Tuesday? I think it's Tuesday. Just, I don't know. I, I guess United... No, it's Wednesday. Wednesday, it's Wednesday, Wednesday. United, I mean, pretty much have to win in order... It depends on other results. Well, assuming, no, that's not true. Right, because we're going to assume Galatasaray will lose their last game. So No, no. We're going to assume, I guess, that Bayern are going to beat Copenhagen. Yeah. We've got... I mean, maybe they don't, but two draws wouldn't be enough for us, but a draw and a win... All right. A draw with Galatasaray and a win would probably would be and when he another buying four in points. a dead rubber. Yeah. Galatasaray would then yeah with with that with Galatasaray then have to beat Copenhagen to go through that would give them four points as well. Yeah. So if we if we say it's out of our, it's out of our it's out of our hands then. If we, Bayern already qualified, no one can catch it on twelve points. Copenhagen on four, Galatasaray on four, we're on three, and the rest of it's goal difference. So, so yeah, so assume Copenhagen lose to Bayern, right, which is Bayern at home in that one. They'll be on four points. If we get a point, we'd be on four points. Galatasaray would be on five, and we would have to beat Bayern in order to even if Galatasaray lose their last game. Yeah, we'd, yeah. We'd have to beat Bayern by enough. Yeah, because a draw wouldn't be good enough, basically. So, so yeah. If we've, we, scored if, lot, we've scored a lot of goals. So I think we're, if anything comes down to goal difference, we're okay. But the head to head with Galatasaray is obviously not good unless we beat them. Yeah. It's fucking unbelievable. How many goals we've scored and conceded? They yeah. have three points in this group. It really is. Nine goals and, scored. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, so. I mean, it's tough. A, a victory in this game would make things a lot easier, obviously. If we win this so. game, I would say we, I, we have, we'll, we'll probably be, that'll probably be enough because that would be, that'd be six points. And then the other two that we need a, we'd need a point probably against Bayern. Yes. Because if Galatasaray the beat we'd, the head to head, would that be in our favor over both the other two? Yeah. So yeah. That, oh, I mean, we, we should win this game. We should win this game. I don't particularly trust the players to go there and play with Moxie, necessarily. I'd like to have Casemiro for this one with Maynou in midfield. That would that be the midfield I would want. But there's no reason whatsoever why this team should not score at least twice in that game. And no reason whatsoever why they should concede twice, but they might concede four. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hope not. Uh, Galatasaray scored four yesterday against Atlanta Spore, but they had lost their <laughs> previous two games. So, it's, I mean, it's not a great Galatasaray side, even though there's an awful lot of familiar familiar players. They're second in uh, the Super League at the moment to, against Fenerbahce, who are top. Icardi scoring, Zaha scored at the weekend as well, and Merton, so all their three of their big recruits this, this summer. They've got players that can fuck you up. I mean, they do. They're all good players, those, and they're not past it yet. I mean, they're obviously not at their be- not at their peak, but they're more than healthy enough to be able to give you a hard time. And our defense yeah. is unreliable, but we have better players than they do. So it's just about whether we can impose our better players on them, and whether the players have have the composure to go and play the way Tenach wants them to play in that in that environment in a game yeah. that matters. Yeah. Uh, we've no idea. We've had, it's weird because we know that there are players in that team that have done it repeatedly in big games. Yeah, yeah. But as a collective, they're, yeah, the crumbliest, flakiest chocolate. <laughs> well, we, we do. Yeah, they're going to have to put it all together. That's important. Manage the manage the crowds. I mean, we know that already. It's kind of almost cliche at this point, isn't it? I mean, they managed the crowd today, supposedly, and angry Everton. We never really saw much of that, did we? They they love booing those Everton. <laughs> no ground no ground boos like Goodison Park. The thing I tweeted this out. They boo with a Scouse inflection. I don't know how it's possible. <laughs> I couldn't do it. So can you put a Scouse boo on? But they do. You're like, oh, it's a Scouse boo. Somewhere, somewhere on the internet, and I've not been able to properly find the one that I was after. But I have found a couple of other iterations that on my Twitter. If anyone's into this weird shit like I am, <laughs> there are videos of people not going boo but going fucking boo. <laughs> that's great <laughs> it's, just, it's so good fucking boo <laughs> yeah. um, um, 
Sorry, kids. Uh, I always get complaints and we swear too much. Sorry. We're just, we feed off each other. But uh, yes, that is brilliant. There was a lot of talk no, before. No, that's allowed because that's a, that's a quotation. Yeah, so exactly. If, yes. I'm, if I'm writing in copy, I can, I can, I can swear. If I, I, I can't usually swear in my copy, but if I'm quoting, I'm allowed. That's the Guardian so, rules, isn't like, it? I do yeah. apologize to those <laughs> offend. I, yeah, yeah. I, I know that I, it's weird because I know that I do swear a lot. But also, I guess that's because people that I've been around speak like that. And yet, yeah. I am capable of not speaking like that because I don't speak like that. In my, in, like, I don't speak like that at home. <laughs> Except, pop. It, it, it's uh, throughout my like uh, yeah working career. Um, when I've been in the UK, I've always been in offices where it's really sweary, just really, really sweary, and and so I definitely feed off that. In the US, it's not really accepted, especially the c words. <laughs> cursing, yeah, uh, no, no cussing and no cursing. No, not really. And my my little one, he said he asked me this week. There's a c word that's really bad. What is it? And I was like, no, I'm not telling city. you that. Yeah, city, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> if I ever hear you say that, you're out. I was, yeah, my, my daughter, I would say, has heard, heard me swear a handful of times, probably. Well, our In, rule is you can hear it, you can't yeah. say it. They don't really follow that one, which is really bad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but, I mean, obviously there are times when only a swear word will do. There's a book, one of my favourite novels, called uh, Carter Beats the Devil by Glenn David Gold. And you don't realise that there hasn't been any swearing in the novel until a few hundred pages in someone swears. And you're like, yeah, this is a bad situation that they're in, that they're in now. I don't think I've ruined, ruined, ruined that. I mean, the book is probably best part of 20 years old, so the truth is out there. <laughs> But the, uh, one of the best wary the- moments, of course, this was this year where um, Mary Earp saved that penalty in the World Cup final. And that's just a fabulously foul-mouthed celebration afterwards. <laughs> where Even if you couldn't hear it, you knew exactly what she was saying. Yeah. Um, I, it's, and then I guess you say, well, when you're in that situation, then, then you're allowed to do that. But um, I would say, yeah, I mean, it feels... I don't totally understand why it would be bothersome either way if it's not used in an offensive manner as in it's used as an intensifier in order to better articulate what you're what you're better articulate what you're saying what you're the point the point that you're making or to the rhythm of speech or whatever it might be someone complained on youtube this week by the way folks i post these on youtube now go subscribe please Smash that subscribe button, I think we're supposed to say. Someone complained this week that I make political points in a really smug way. I was like, ah, I mean, I don't know, it's smug. Not arrogant, so, just well, bitter. This, <laughs> this, this, is, this is sort of a problem that the right have with the left, that the left has with itself, because if you think that the right stands for capital and the left stands for using capital to look after the most vulnerable, if that's what you believe in, then you're going to be extremely confident that you are right in, in, a, in a moral sense. Whereas the other, the, like, the other is, is more, it's more of more of a practical thing that let's say that without judging it, that's how you think that if uh, like uh, capitalist ideology help makes the world run better, but that's not, that's not a moral position. So you can't then find yourself in a situation where you feel smug for what you believe in. You might feel smug about what you own, but if you're making points about looking after the most vulnerable people in society and trying to be nice and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. then yeah, it probably, it probably is easy to see why you would come, or come over as smug, to, particularly by, to someone who doesn't think those things and mm-hmm. good. In fact, fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, we're all contradictions, aren't we? Yeah. You know. I, poli- poli- no. No. No listener will be surprised that politically, I'm on, I'm on the left, and I work in venture capital. So yeah, how do those things work together? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> also, awesome. Uh, many contradictions in the United team as well, and I just hope they uh, manage to pull it all together for this one. It would be, it would be a real shame if United didn't have any football, European football. 
after this week, basically, because if we lose, that's pretty much, I think that's us done. Would you, not guaranteed. Would you take, but, which, would you, t- would you, not, not, not guaranteed. If we lose to Galatasaray. And Bayern being yeah, Copenhagen, we, we, it's, and, it'll be tough. We'd have to win no, comfortably. No, 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 no. So. Hang on. If we, no, no, if we lose to Galatasaray, we're fucked because. They'll be on six they, points. They'd have, they'd have four more points. They'd have, no, they'd be on they'd be on seven because they got four. Oh, they got four. Yeah, they got four. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. If we lose, if we lose, we're done. Right then, yeah. Yes, would but you take, what was the you, what would situation? You, would you, do you Europa? want Europa? Uh, yeah, Europa I mean, or not? I mean, kind of no, because these players feel like they could really do with having a few midweeks off. But it's definitely good for the club to to continue in Europe, and it, and it does make money. Not nearly as much as the the Champions League, but it's still like five million pounds a game. Plus the winning bonuses and so on, so it's good for the club, and it's also a trophy United could shoot for. So I guess on balance of all those, I'd say yes, Europa. I'd, I'd, yeah, I've had enough of that. Competition, in the back of your though. mind, in the back of your mind, knowing that there was always the possibility of losing the final to Liverpool. Oh God. <laughs> that'd be that'd be sick enough. But the thing is, with the Champions League, I know United going out the first good team we face. So, I mean, if we get through in this group, we're going to face a group winner, likely one of the better teams, and we could well get dumped out of the next game anyway. Who? I mean, maybe, but there, I bet there are a few group winners. I can't that you would actually quite fancy. Uh, yeah, but the problem is, I guess, is you won't actually end if if all the if if City are going to have won their group. If Arsenal win their group as well, then you can't have the teams that have finished behind them that you would quite like to that you would quite like to have. Yeah, yeah. I don't have all the groups in front of me. I was just checking now, so I don't. Know. We'll we'll work it out after this week. But and we'll see where we you, are. You don't want you don't want you don't want Real Madrid particularly. We beat Barcelona last season. I, we could beat Barcelona. I think that this team. Over, like if they play well, they can beat almost anyone over two legs, I would say. But there's a lot of ifs. And there will be a lot of ifs until they've shown themselves to be regularly reliable in big games. Mm-hmm. And, but yep. it's nice having Maynard in the team, who's someone who's not tarnished by any of this bullshit. Right. And clearly just thinks he can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just gone gone and play, played his natural game. There's no... Like, he did all the things that he... He wanted, that he wanted to do with the ball. He didn't. He wasn't conservative. And the more of those players who aren't tainted by the some, by the collapses that you can have, the better for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. I think that's about it. United women team won again today, and after being Liverpool midweek, hopefully they're back. And the United men's team, massive game. Just massive game this week. And touch wood, it's all coming together. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get too giddy after one game, but there was there were signs there, I think. Please.